Tonight's Wednesday, November 23rd, 2021. This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Tonight's Week 12 NFL Fantasy Preview with some surprises. NFL surprises. The sound of an endless love inside infinity of island universes, allowing all causality to dream. To dream. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So it is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. I am Jason, uh, joined virtually this week, as always, by Dave. Dave, good to be here with you. I am here, and, and yeah, Dave and Jason from Drink5.com bringing you the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. And uh, what do we have in store for us today? Um, a lot of good topics, I presume? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we'll talk about some news around the NFL. Uh, we've got some surprises and disappointments of week 11. And then, because it's Tuesday, and uh, the, tonight is waiver night, as is tradition, we'll talk about some waiver pickups, courtesy of our good friend uh, Jim Hutchins, who writes the waiver column every week on drink5.com. Make sure you go to drink5.com uh, on a regular basis to get waiver pickups, to get rookie advice, to get your rankings, Dave, to uh, read about a bunch of meaningless statistics that I like to jabber on about on Mondays. There's all kinds of good stuff. There's confidence picks. Um, lots of fun stuff to be had at drink5.com so make sure you go in there on a you know few times a week that'd be nice yeah and as i've said before the uh, statistically insignificant column that jason writes may contain some insignificant statistics uh, at least uh, when you're glancing at it at a um you know, overhead view right but a lot of those uh they they turn into discussions and a lot of fantasy relevant talk um from those stats so just because uh, someone had uh, seven targets and zero receptions uh, doesn't, you, you know, and that's something that hasn't happened before for a tight end. I think that's right with Mike Gesicki, right? That was Mike Gesicki two weeks ago, yeah. It, it, it also is sort of a portent into other things going on with the team, maybe, or is this uh, the start of, of some kind of downward spiral with the passing offense? Uh, and, you know, maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I basically, I, I try to find, you know, Fun stats, maybe stuff that is a good discussion at the water cooler. Look for the fantasy slant at it. Uh, and then just, you know, maybe there's a lot of relevant information in there. Maybe it's just fun. I remember one year I just wrote a bunch of stuff because uh, Le'Veon Bell had an amazing day. So I did five different stats on him. Yeah. So it's just a fun read, light reading. You know, it's not an in-depth, uh, crazy uh, information dump. That's gonna totally bring you to another level of knowledge, like the uh, rookie report. And that usually comes out on Monday, so light reading, um, light reading Monday. Um, and you gotta do your homework on Thursday when the rookie report comes out. Do you have any? Um, do you have anything? Any tokens of knowledge or things of interest from your uh, column that you just wrote yesterday? From this week, uh, sure. So what I really had fun with this week was that. The Patriots defense scored 14 points in the last 12 minutes of their game. Yeah, that was Four fun. Four interceptions and a touchdown. Uh, doesn't even include the you know the 10 points they got from for giving the shutout. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jalen Hurts is the number one fantasy player in all of fantasy football as of this moment. 
uh, with 253 points this year. Uh, Derrick Henry is still the RB3 on the year, even though he hasn't played for three weeks. And uh, Rondale Moore had 11 receptions, 11 catches, and 51 yards. So there you go. That's uh, pretty interesting stuff that maybe in and of themselves don't necessarily mean anything to your fantasy team, but we can tell a lot of things. We can analyze that and uh, build it into some prognostications about other people on the depth chart from those squads. So a very valuable piece of uh, information, I think. So what are you drinking over there, Dave? I see a freedom of speech. And what's next to it? Uh, well... A lot of these were are part of a, uh, a a jumble of beers that we put into an empty 12-pack and then spilled uh, on a driveway. <laughs> so so I needed to drink them before they just blew up in my refrigerator. Uh, but I have a uh, Mosaic Single Hop Hazy IPA from Sweetwater uh, from Georgia uh, and a Freedom of Speech Session Sour Ale from Revolution Chicago uh, and then another Sweetwater beer, just a regular IPA. Um, since uh, we were down there recently, and we grabbed some of the beers that they have available. Now, Sweetwater, I think, is also available nationwide. They have a pretty large distribution network, but when in Rome, right? Yeah, that Sweetwater case definitely took a beating as we were trying to leave Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I will cheers you. I've got, um, you know, a, a, a beverage with a little bit of alcohol in it. Well, there you go. Cheers to you. <laughs> as is the tradition. Um, so make sure that when you guys uh, listen to the podcast, if you're listening live, uh, then go in the chat room, say hi, ask us some questions. If uh, you're listening to it after the fact, uh, remember that we always do it live, generally speaking, on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Central. If uh, there's something going on that week, like this week is Thanksgiving, so obviously schedules are a little turned around. We're going to do it on maybe a Tuesday. So what you do is you follow us, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. That way you'll know every time that we're going to go live to do a show. That's right, Jay. But uh, let's move on to some around the NFL news. And uh, I, I see one big piece of news that I also have linked to something later uh, about a possible pickup, someone who performed well last week. But that is that Adrian Peterson from the Titans was waived from the team officially. So he got in, was able to score uh, a touchdown and, and get a couple carries. But, but now he's unceremoniously uh, back to free agent lifestyle. Yeah, he really, you know, didn't do a whole lot this year. 3.0 yards per carry, uh, 82 yards on 27 carries, played in three games. Uh, really not anything that they need in Tennessee. He's not going to be the future anywhere. Uh, what they need is to uh, make it to uh, a point where they're still alive and can get Derrick Henry back. Yeah, and I don't think we expected him to do all that well. And a lot of people were out there just kind of throwing their uh, FAAB, uh, the money that they had for this year, into the dumpster and lighting it on fire. Uh, whenever you're grabbing a guy off the wire who's an aging running back, uh, you can't really expect all that much from them. And right now, the Titans are uh, in the midst of this running back carousel that is just desperately trying to find some footing. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I didn't expect a lot from Peterson. I probably put in some token claims on him. I don't think I got him anywhere. And, uh, you know, it, he was a lot of fun to watch when he was around, but he's done, and it's probably time for him to retire. Mm -hmm. uh, so Zach Wilson will be starting in Week 12. Um, he is healthy. That's one of the reasons why he's starting. Also, Joe Flacco and Mike White 
uh, have been put on the COVID list. So we're sort of, uh, or rather, let's say the Jets are off the hook with having to make a decision between uh, Mike White and Zach Wilson right now. So we don't know who they would have chosen because they don't have to make a decision yet. Um, I, I don't think that this is going to do a lot for any of the Jets players. I know that um, uh, the running back is out. Help me out. Michael Carter. Blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to be out for a week or two at least. Yeah, and he's been great, but obviously there's uh, there's some stuff going around that organization. I will say, though, uh, from an NFL perspective, from a football fan's perspective, um, when you're the Jets, it doesn't really matter what your record is this year. You kind of have to give Zach Wilson a little bit more room and see what it is that he can do this year. That's the whole point of this year, right? Um, they, they were never going to make the playoffs and make a playoff push. Uh, so they, they really just need to explore um, what he can do for them. But, like you said, saves them a decision anyway because there's no other quarterback on that squad that is able to play. So, Zach Wilson, here you go again. Yeah, hopefully he can keep Elijah Moore going. Uh, Moore has probably been the best performing rookie on that team this year. Uh, the best fantasy player, too. Yeah, Moore and Carter have been have both been good, and Carter's come on later in the season. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the season about scoring a touchdown, and he hadn't had one yet, and now he's uh, a viable fantasy player when he's able to play, of course. But we talked about Elijah Moore preseason. He was one of those darling rookies um, that you would pick up in the late rounds of a draft. But then, of course, it happens a lot, and it, it's no different this year. Um, they don't often come on right away, right? So Elijah Moore didn't come on until later in the season. And by that time, if you had him on your bench, you were already past him and had cut him weeks ago to pick up the flavor of the week. So it, I guess it's a lesson to you, right? If, if there are guys that are kind of uh, um, diamonds in the rough, as it were, Maybe they're not the best guys to pick up at the end of a draft because they almost always take four or five, six weeks to get going. Uh, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, you can get them uh, on the free agent you know, list at some point because people will pick them up early, they won't perform, and they'll drop them. Yeah, I mean, I would think if someone had Elijah Moore on their roster that was not in a deep league and they had him earlier in the year as a sleeper, they're just not paying that much attention to their roster. <laughs> so. Yeah. You could say congratulations to you, but you know you're probably uh, uh, you're probably two and <laughs> stumbled into it instead of you know earning it. Yeah, you're probably three and eight at the moment. So enjoy enjoy playing Elijah Moore. <laughs> so Jason Garrett has been fired as the offensive coordinator of the New York Football Giants. So I saw a stat uh, during the game last night that the Giants have not scored thirty points in like twenty five straight games. Hmm. So I know that that holds true for this entire season. You know, they, they've scored 17, 23, and 10 points over the last three weeks. Uh, Daniel Jones not doing a whole lot uh, fantasy-wise. You're not getting a lot of production out of any of the other positions. Uh, Devontae Booker was a nice fill-in for you, but now that Saquon Barkley is back, obviously you didn't expect a lot uh, to come from the running back position against the Buccaneers, but... Um, what what I like what I'm most interested in is what's going to happen at wide receiver for the Giants. So we saw Kadarius Tony had double digit targets, right? Twelve targets, but only seven catches for forty yards. As long as he can keep getting big targets like that, uh, then I'm fine, and, and I want to keep him around, and I will throw him in the lineup if need be. Um, but do you see, like, a Darius Slate with seven targets? Do you see that happening again, or is that sort of a fluke? 
Daniel Jones hasn't been throwing the ball very accurately from me just watching those giant games. There were tons of passes that went over people's heads, etc. Um, Darius Slayton doing well is not a fluke. I mean, we, we saw him do well in previous uh, a previous year uh, with the Giants. I think the biggest problem with that offense right now is really – uh, that they had Kenny Galladay and wrapped him up with so much money, uh, but he's still not performing even though he was out there playing uh, just this yeah. last last Monday. Um, I thought that, that Tony and Slayton were getting the majority of the looks, uh, and I think that's what you'll continue to see. I think they overspent on Galladay. I think they're trying to game plan for him, and so that's part of the problem with Tony is that there's Galladay's getting some first-look plays set up, but he can't get separation. Um, and so it, it looks to me like those are going to be the two guys that are successful going forward. And Sterling Shepard is an amazing uh, uh, possession receiver uh, on that team. He has always outperformed expectations, but he's been injured most of this year. So the problem really begins if Shepard is healthy along with Slayton and Tony, then it feels like every game is just two of those three guys, and Galladay is a constant threat to, uh, to take the first look away from any of them. So it's a it's a big problem if you're starting Giants receivers, but I will tell you this. I think Tony will have 8 plus targets in every game for the rest of the season and I think they have to give them to him and I think the fans are going to clamor for that. I think the organization wants that and uh, even though he started off as a hot-tempered rookie, uh, he and he might still be, but he is the is the best playmaker on that football team besides Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean I think that Kenny Galladay, as much as they want to make something out of him, uh, if they're only going to throw to him twice in a game, then uh, you know he's going to quickly become an afterthought in that offense. Yeah, and you know you'll see a guy like uh, I don't know, I like Slayton, I suppose. It, if Shepard's not around, you know, but I think Shepard practice last week was still inactive, so he could definitely be back this week, provided he gets practices in. Yeah, it's just rough because they have a lot of receivers, and none of them are as uh, explosive as Tony, but Tony's a rookie. Now with the coach being fired um, or the offensive coordinator being fired, we're not exactly sure. There's a little bit of confusion. But it, it would be very silly for a uh, for an, a new OC, whoever it is. Uh, is it someone in the organization right now uh, that's filling in? I don't think that in? they would go outside for an OC in the middle of the year. I, I've never heard of that really. So, yeah, it'll probably be one of the positional coaches getting bumped up maybe there was an assistant offensive coordinator i would imagine that today they just haven't announced it yet so whoever whoever's filling in is going to continue to give uh, tony looks because that's the person who is uh, is making the plays and well, they did say it's going to be freddie kitchen oh yeah i did i who, saw who, who ran the offense in in cleveland so you know, good luck there new york <laughs> well a couple of these organizations need uh, more than luck, but uh, but yeah, to your to your original point, I think Tony is still going to be a good play, but he's on such an unpredictable team as far as uh, as far as their offensive prowess from game to game. So speaking of coaches getting fired, uh, the rumors swirled today, and it was uh, definitely a hot conversation topic among our friends group because we're here in Chicago that Matt Nagy will be getting fired soon. In fact, I believe the rumor was that Matt Nagy was told that he will be fired after Thursday's game, mm-hmm. which is just an absurd rumor in and of itself. Like, hey, you have to work for the rest of the week, but you're going to be fired at the end of the week. Like, they, that doesn't happen in any job. So I, I don't think that that's what actually happened. But clearly something leaked somewhere uh, to the level that someone believed it enough to, you know, report it. 
So we'll see what happens there. And Nagy, of course, denied it and said that everything's fine. But on the field for the Bears, Justin Fields was injured. He had a rib injury. He didn't finish the game this week against the Ravens. And Andy Dalton finished the game. Andy Dalton's going to start on Thursday against the Lions as well. It's the uh, quickest turnaround in the NFL season where you play on Sunday at noon and then you have to play again on Thursday at 11.30 a.m. So, you know, thanks, NFL, for that, for giving us the Bears and the Lions uh, just to, enough to work up an appetite, you know. You know the Lions are going to win this game, this uh, Thanksgiving game. It's going to happen. <laughs> they have to win eventually. They're not going to go, you know. I, oh. I guess, you know, it, it would be funny if they go 0-16 again. 0-16-1, yeah. 0-16-1, but 0-16. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So... Uh, with him uh, possibly being fired, which I still think could happen, uh, regardless of all of this rumor swirling stuff, um, uh, I, I think it's not really going to impact much uh, on that organization as far as uh, fantasy production, right? Uh, I agree. It's so it's not really something that's a lot for us to worry about until probably next year. Uh, if there is a new coach, then they'll probably try to reorganize uh, the playmakers a little bit. But I want to figure out how to use a guy like Allen Robinson, for example. Well, I, I already hear most of the rumor mills saying things like, uh, we're going to go get Michael Gallup or uh, we're going to go get such, such and such uh, for this next year because everyone already sees A-Rob out the door. If they're not even trying to develop chemistry with uh, who has proved to be one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL, then what are they doing over there? I, I'd love <laughs> Allen Robinson to go ahead and find himself a competent quarterback. I mean, it'd be great if he landed with a good one, but just a competent one uh, is a step up from his entire career. He's he's always had uh, shitty quarterbacks. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Taysom Hill signed a huge contract extension. Did you see this, Jason? I thought this happened last year. No. Did he signed another one. No, it just happened. He so got a contract last year that was weird. Well, I don't know what it was last year, but he just signed a four-year contract extension that'll be between forty and ninety-five million, depending on bonuses and what position he plays. If he ends up being a starting quarterback for the team, he can earn up to ninety-five million dollars. But if he ends up being more of a gadget player or a tight end or a backup quarterback or whatever it is that Peyton wants to uh, put him out into, then he can make up to uh, well. Between forty and and ninety five, depending on all the the craziness that they wrote into the contract, I would love to see the contract. Uh, I don't know that that stuff is uh, public uh, to view uh, unless somebody makes it so because it's not a public some of it's, company. Uh, some of it winds up being public because the uh, the agents like to to show their work, you know, yeah. advertisement for future future clients. But yeah, he had signed a one year ten million dollar contract. That was the one he was working on this year. Okay, well, clearly uh, Peyton loves Hill, and what I'm interested in the most is from a fantasy perspective, um, also notable that uh, their tight end is now out for four to six weeks, uh, and I think that just happened today as well. Uh, they announced that. And so if that's the case, do you think they'll start using Taysom Hill as a tight end? Do you think they'll bring him in more often <laughs> as a quarterback? I mean, I wouldn't put anything past Peyton. And the fact that he made this contract with Hill lets me know that maybe they are considering using Taysom as the starting quarterback. And it's just that his injuries uh, that led up to this and all the craziness with Jameis Winston um, himself getting injured, um, it was unable, uh, they were unable to let Hill fill that position right away. So I, I still think that the money talks, 
and that this says that Hill is going to have a role on that offense that may or may not be fantasy um, productive. And and what do you think about it? So, I mean, over the last few weeks, without their starting, without, you know, Jameis Winston, uh, they've had plenty of opportunities to go ahead and use Hill on a regular basis. I think that Hill is never going to be the starting quarterback as we know it. He may be a guy who plays, you know, a good percentage of snaps eventually, um, but he's not. Well, rem- remember last year, last year when he was a starter for a couple of weeks, he ended up putting up 20-plus points each game, if I remember correctly. So there's that kind of uh, nagging feeling in the back of your mind about, like, well, if it happens, then it means he's automatically a, a QB1 borderline. Yeah, but they're not even starting him over Trevor Simeon right now. Oh, I'm aware, but the the Saints are, you know, the Saints are in trouble in general. Are they are they purposely tanking at that point? I don't know. Mm. But I mean, you know, Taysom Hill only has eight passing attempts this year, and this is a year where they've had Jameis Winston, and then Jameis Winston went out, and they've had Trevor Simeon. So if they're serious about giving this guy a hundred million dollars to be a quarterback, you would think that they would want him to throw the ball more well all i know is that that's what the money is uh, above the dotted line that's all we know <laughs> hey i mean good on him you know he his peak of the year for offensive snaps 53 percent in week three 50 percent in week four um didn't even play weeks six through eight i don't remember if he was injured or not but i suspect he just didn't get in one of those games so you know I, sean payton knows what he's doing because he's a great head coach. Well, maybe so, maybe it's a I'd next like year. To see what happens. Maybe it's a next season thing, and they're just developing, uh, you know, an idea or a plan for next season. But clearly, signing for four years for up to ninety-five million means you're going to use the guy. I mean, uh, even the highest-paid backups in the league aren't making that kind of scratch. Uh, I agree totally, and uh, I'm interested to see what they want to do with him. But. I thought that last year when they gave him a ten million dollar contract, they'd do something interesting with him. Well, there's they haven't this year. There's one other possibility, and I like this rumor personally, and that is that uh, Sean Payton is actually Taysom Hill's father, and <laughs> <laughs> and his illegitimate son Taysom Hill. You know, he's just trying to uh, get him that nest egg and everything that's necessary for him to move up in the world. This is just some kind of crazy money laundering scheme or something like that. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's fun. So we'll see. But for right now, I think we both agree that Taysom Hill is, doesn't belong on a redraft team. But it's still, because of this amount of money, it would not surprise me, Jason, if Hill ended up being the quarterback uh, in you know two weeks from now. We could see Taysom Hill in fantasy football championships just kind of uh, tearing up uh, the uh, ideas that we just put out. Um, sure. And then... Dontrell Hilliard, are you familiar with him? Uh, yeah, the Titans running back. Yeah, so he's about as familiar as I get. <laughs> well, he's been on some other squads. He was on the Houston Texans uh, previously. Uh, he was just signed to the Titans' active roster as they continue to search for a solid running back. We talked about this search earlier. Uh, week 11's game stats, when he was in there, he had 35 yards on seven carries and caught eight of 10 targets for 47 yards. So the important thing to note here is, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I believe that McNichols ended up going out of the game with some kind of injury or concussion, uh, and that is the reason why there were so many targets given to Hilliard. Um, but because he was so successful with those targets and uh, he wasn't horrible uh, with the carries that I saw either, there is the possibility 
that uh, between him and Foreman, you know, they're, they're able to develop some kind of a, a reasonable running game. And the Titans right now are losing to teams that they shouldn't lose to. That's because they, um, they are completely thrown off balance with Derrick Henry out uh, and his immediate backup, Darrington Evans, out. So these guys up until now have not been able to fill the void. Um, Hilliard is a definitely a possible waiver wire pickup you're going to see go in a lot of your leagues. Now, as to whether or not he's any more valuable than Adrian Peterson, nobody's guess. But in PPR leagues, uh, I can say that catching 8 of 10 targets is certainly a valuable thing that he did last week. Yeah, so Hilliard was in on 63% of offensive snaps last week. Um, that's great if you're going to be in any sort of, sort of timeshare. And I think that's what we're going to see from the Titans is that no one player is going to replace uh, the load that Derrick Henry was carrying. Yeah. I mean, from, from a logical perspective, that's going to be true. But just from, like, when you drill down into the macro, it, it's definitely, um, you know, there, there's not – they're going to have to go with the timeshare here. You're going to see McNichols when he's healthy. He didn't play last week uh, because of a concussion. Uh, you're going to see Deonta Foreman a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of everybody, and that's all you're going to get until Derrick Henry comes back. So, personally, I don't really like any of this for fantasy value. Of course, uh, in a full PPR, Dontrell Hilliard, you know, if he's going to see 10 targets a game, then give it to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's an important discussion to have, especially for those deeper leagues that have deep benches or that play a lot of roster positions or multiple flexes. Because at this time of the year, as you know, uh, not only the bye weeks are affecting you, but also the injuries and also COVID and also depth chart uh, changes. And so that's a lot of stuff to deal with. Now, I don't want to start a, a Hilliard or a Foreman, uh, but <laughs> neither do I. They certainly seem like the guys that could be um, successful there. But in the reality of things, I think we both realize that there is no one there that's going to do anything um, uh, substantial value uh, until Derrick Henry is able to come back. And that might happen sooner than uh, than people think at this point. So, um, really, I mean, do you expect him back before week 17? Uh, well, for fantasy purposes, I, I, no, I, I don't think he's completely <laughs> irrelevant for fantasy purposes. Well, if, se- if 17 is a uh, championship week, we could see some, we could see some Derrick Henry's out there, but uh, oh, man, talk about desperation <laughs> championship games. But I've seen, I, I've done crazier. In a Superflex League, once I started Kellen Moore in Week 16. Kellen Moore, yeah, very nice. Won that sucker, too. <laughs> uh, well, let's take a small break and then move on to our next segment. Uh, I'll have a little drink. Cheers. Cheers. Is this a new song, Dave? Uh, just the bones. Oh. I like to hear them in progress. Uh, so yeah, let's 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 run right into our next category. Uh, if you are interested in uh, in starting this one up, I know you have a couple things uh, at least uh, that are that are first on our on our notes here. So yeah, so we'll, oh sorry, uh, we'll get into some surprises and disappointments. Um, so following up on the team we were just talking about, the Titans lost to the Texans. Uh, this game was in Tennessee. It was a rainy mess. 
Uh, but, you know, that's the kind of game that you expect the Titans to win because they're supposed to be playing good defense with a good running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what happened. Ryan Tannehill had four interceptions. It was the most of his career. Uh, yet somehow the Titans are still the number one seed at 8-3 and three in the AFC. So the Colts are now breathing down their neck uh, because the Colts are playing very well. They've lost a couple of really close games. Otherwise, it would be much closer. Uh, so I, I say breathing down their neck. There's probably a two-game lead at least in the division, I would imagine. Uh, I don't have the records in front of me. But what we're really worried about is what fantasy value is left in Tennessee. We've had several disappointing weeks in a row out of A.J. Brown. There isn't really another pass catcher on the team that you can rely on. Ryan Tannehill um, has not really gone very high this year, although I have noticed now he probably has the highest floor of any quarterback in the league this year because he hasn't dipped below, I think, 11 or 12 points all year. Jalen Hurts uh, is is the highest floor, I think, with uh, maybe 16 as his lowest, something like that. No, Jalen Hurts finally had like a seven-point game, I think, last week or the week before. Um but it was definitely Jalen Hurts for a while because Hurts oh. didn't get below 20 points for a while. You're right, less than 16. Yeah, I, I have those notes here later in, in the show too. But, um, um, so yeah, Ryan Tannehill is at at least 13 points in every single game, which is great if you're in a super flex league uh, because you just want to throw him in there. Nah. As, for a, as for a quarterback <laughs> one, he has a top 23.48 points all year. So that's not the kind of ceiling that you're hoping for. So what what fantasy value is there really to be had on this team? I'm not sure. I'm not sure 13 is good for a super flex either, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not what you want. But if it's the minimum, you know, uh, you can live with it. Yeah, well, uh, I, I I've enjoyed watching Tannehill over his career, and I've I've seen in various spots that there seem to be issues with the teams that he's on as far as the as the talent or the scheme, especially with the 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 Dolphins uh, when they didn't like him anymore. It's not that he was a bad quarterback. It's that they didn't really um, do anything with the ball offensively. They didn't have a unique offensive uh, uh, scheme. They didn't do anything that was uh, out of the box. I feel like Tennessee has simply gotten themselves lost in um, in what Derrick Henry was able to bring them. So, yeah. to your point, I don't think there is much value except that A.J. Brown is a fantastic receiver, uh, and I certainly think that the team or at least A.J. Brown, will bounce back from this low fantasy production. But something has to be changed, and it seems like uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, the way that they're calling the plays, the way that the team is performing, is still pretending that Derrick Henry is on the team. That's a good way to put it. Um, And yeah, I've been really disappointed with A.J. Brown. Over the last three weeks, he has 11 catches with 24 targets and only 106 yards. Yeah. Touchdowns. and this week, they play New England in New England. Uh, Bill Belichick is great at taking away the best weapon of the team. The only weapon of the team right now is A.J. Brown. So, A.J. Brown, I suspect you want to sit him this week. If you've got him, you got it's a tough decision. But I think you got to sit him this week. And then you got to buy. So, you're not getting a lot out of him until the playoffs start in week 14. Or, I guess it's the last week of the regular season now. But, um, yeah, he's one of those players that uh, that could, beca- because of circumstances, right, uh, end up being someone that you're not playing at this point in the season. But then in the fantasy championships, maybe something, or not the championships, but the playoffs, something changes and, uh, and, he, and he's able to pull off more uh, production. 
But he's such a good receiver that I can't imagine that uh, they're just unable to uh, to get good production out of AJ Brown for the rest of the season. That doesn't make sense. Uh, I agree, and and the fact that his targets have remained high is uh, encouraging. Yeah, they're clearly not like looking elsewhere. They don't ever anywhere else to look. But in general, very disappointing, uh, as you mentioned, and uh, we have. Uh, Anthony Ferkser, who's the tight end there, filling in after Janu Smith left for the Patriots. And and although a lot of people preseason thought that he could be someone to really target as a top 10 or 15 tight end, he hasn't done much of anything. I just don't know if the blame is on Tannehill or if it's on the, uh, you know, the, the people calling the plays or if it's on, uh, I, I don't know, the offensive line. I'm not sure. But I haven't been watching the Titans games uh, as much as I have some other games because I'll tell you a secret they are really boring because they have because they have no offensive standout players any longer I agree yeah uh, so the answer to my question what fantasy value is left in Tennessee is uh, shockingly little for the next two weeks at least yeah that's that seems accurate <laughs> for, the, for the number one seed in the AFC it's surprising for that to be the case so uh, Jonathan Taylor is the running back one this year he scored five touchdowns this week. It was the 11th best uh, fantasy performance, I believe, in the last 20 years or so. Hmm. Um, I actually just watched uh, a buddy of ours sent me a link earlier tonight of a game where the Seattle Seahawks scored uh, four touchdowns in like three minutes in a game in 2002. Sean Alexander had 54 points in that game. He had all five of his touchdowns in the first half. Wow. Uh, so, anyways, um, that was an amazing performance by Taylor. Uh, back to 2021. So, who else on the Colts is, is going to be fantasy relevant in order to bring you success in the fantasy playoffs? Do you like Michael Pittman a lot going forward? Uh, or do you think that it's like the Jonathan Taylor show and, you know, that's kind of it? No, I, I think uh, Michael Pittman didn't have great points this week. But if you look at all the other weeks and you look at his success so far and the trends and trajectories that exist, Pittman's been fantastic. And I think he's clearly the number one wide receiver for the Colts going forward. So the, here's a, uh, a guy that is going to be good for the next three or four years on that team uh, and, and should be the guy that usurps all of the targets that used to go to T.Y. Hilton. It's clear that T.Y. Hilton can't stay healthy, and when he's on the field, he's not the playmaker that he used to be. So I, I love uh, Michael Pittman. Uh, I think that the combination of tight ends they have on that team, uh, there's, there's too many of them that could have a good game any week. Uh, I still see uh, Mo Alley-Cox or uh, uh, what is his face? He used to play basketball. <laughs> Come on. Uh, they don't. They only have Jack Doyle. Yeah, Doyle. Jack Doyle. Oh, is, Jack Doyle is what you're talking about. Okay. He used to play basketball. Well, I mean, the odds are like two to one that a tight end on any team used to play basketball in college. But uh, but yeah, Jack Doyle and Moali Cox are doing that thing that they used to do when Ebron was on the Colts, which is that, yeah, you might have one good game and have a touchdown and 70 yards, but then you're not going to perform for two more weeks, which is just inconsistent, and it's not okay uh, for fantasy managers to, to roster and start that kind of a, a player. So I think it's it's pretty much just Pittman, but I have seen Zach Pascal do pretty well Is uh, in addition. He's not a bad PPR flex start but I'm not looking at his stats right now so this is just from watching games every time I want to see a Pittman and it goes to Pascal I'm like damn that Pascal got it again I, I tell you what as someone who's <laughs> had to start Pascal because of rough 
benches on my dynasty teams, they don't throw it to Pascal very often. Ah, so I'm probably just seeing all the four passes that You're he just gets. Catching the, <laughs> on all the wrong times, yeah. And Pittman um, has had some really big games where he's getting double digit targets, but then there's long stretches where that's just not happening. Yeah, but this is this is his breakout year. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it, absolutely, it is. It, it, you don't get like a, a a consistent every week WR one performance uh, unless you are AJ Brown last year on the Titans with <laughs> with Derrick Henry running the ball opposite you. But we could see that this year with Pittman because now we have Jonathan Taylor. So what what are they discussing inside the Colts headquarters? They're discussing well, we've seen exactly how this works in Tennessee. We've got a guy that everyone is going to be looking at now in Jonathan Taylor. So what do we do with that? Well, we exploit, you know, the uh, the double coverage and the stack boxes against Taylor by throwing the ball to Pittman. So I think uh, you may have a lot of uh, play action. Yeah. And what we can actually find out what they're saying, because they are on hard knocks in season hard knocks, which started up last week. I didn't watch it. Did you see the first episode? I did watch it. So there's less of the uh, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, It's clear that they really didn't want to tip their hand too much on any of the actual game planning. There was one little bit that was really interesting. Um, So what they did, they covered the game. I think it was Miami who they played. No, Jacksonville, who they played in Week 10. So one of the coaches for special teams uh, identified, like, a weakness on the Jacksonville special teams. And, you know, they're bad at this, they're bad at that. We can exploit this. And during that game, Indianapolis actually had a blocked kick returned for a touchdown. Mm. And it was like literally the thing that they had pointed out, they exploited, and they turned it into a huge play. So that was really cool, but like that was about as in-depth as they went as far as explaining the behind-the-scenes stuff. The rest of it was all like, Carson Wentz is about to have a baby. A bunch of other players are going to have a baby. Let's do a gender reveal party at the stadium. Like, Yeah, so drama. A lot of fluff in the episode. I'm hoping for a little more beat on the bone uh, as they go forward you know obviously the game highlights and stuff like that are really fun the montages are great i love the narrator so i'll keep watching hard knocks because there's stuff to be had there Um, but uh, i was disappointed that we didn't get as much behind the scenes stuff as you'd get during the preseason well it's in it's in season just like you said so they're not going to show you much if anything and i guess uh keeping keeping it front of scenes you know is uh is not uh uh not missing the mark here for for the management uh in the colts headquarters they were like i guess we have to do this but we don't really have to to do (laughs) we don't have to show you anything (laughs) yeah uh how about the cardinals how about them so uh, Colt McCoy has been really good as a backup. Maybe uh, quietly one of the best backup quarterbacks of the year. He's 2-1, and one, winning two division games on the road. Very hard to do. Uh, they get a bye this week. There's some extra rest to be had for Kyler Murray, for DeAndre Hopkins. So Colt McCoy has won these two games without the use of the best offensive weapon that's not named Kyler Murray. And uh, I think that, you know, he, he deserves all of the credit in the world. Are you talking about James Conner? job that he's done. Well, <laughs> James Conner, new, new offensive weapon, apparently. Uh, the, the greatest offensive weapon, if you ask a few of our friends. And um, what I think you're going to see is this team uh, really is deep, really plays very well, and they're going to be awesome when they get their two best weapons back. So I believe that they are the number one seed yet again. In the NFC, 
and I, uh, I, I, I think that everyone's gonna have a tough time knocking them off if Kyler Murray is back and playing like he was early in the year, and if DeAndre Hopkins is healthy. Yeah, nobody's knocking off the Cardinals. In fact, I, I think that they're on the short list for uh, Super Bowl contenders this year. They look great. They look like they can beat anybody any given Sunday. And those are the kinds of teams that you like to watch. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. If uh, Colt McCoy and James Conner uh, and a spattering of wide receivers can can basically take on anybody in the league, then uh, Kyler Murray and D Hop coming back um, can beat Tom Brady and the Bucks. They can beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They can beat anybody. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so we saw the Cowboys' offense last week absolutely anemic. It was tough to watch. You know, it was like sixteen to six or something going into halftime. You thought maybe they could turn it around in the second half. Nothing happened in the second half of that game. The Cowboys did not score a touchdown against the Chiefs. And up until last week or the week before, the Chiefs' defense has been terrible this season. So they did start to turn it around. The Chiefs, you know, and that's not who I wanted to talk about here, but the Chiefs really look like they've sort of started putting things together. If their offense is more or less fixed and if their defense is playing well, then they are going to be a really tough team in the playoffs. Uh, But for now, looking at the Cowboys, I want to know if they can be trusted this week against the Raiders. It's a very quick turnaround for them. They play on Thursday. Amari Cooper is going to be out. We already know that. CeeDee Lamb did not finish last week's game because of a concussion. Usually concussions don't allow you to play on a following Thursday. They haven't ruled him out yet, which is kind of surprising considering it's already Tuesday night. So let's call him questionable for now. Uh, but if he, if he does play, would you play him? If he doesn't play, would you feel comfortable with starting a gallop? Or, you know, rolling with Schultz, even though I suppose if you've got Schultz, he's probably going to be your primary tight end anyways. Um, And obviously, Dak Prescott has been a big question mark. Since his injury, he has not really had – he's had one good game, the game that they played against Atlanta. So um, uh, I will will phrase this in the form of an easier-to-digest question. Would you start CeeDee Lamb? Would you start Michael Gallup? Would you start Dak Prescott? Uh, I, well, I, I like uh, Dak Prescott turning things around. Uh, I think that is one of those things that's that's um, bound to happen. But because they have two guys on on IR that uh, are they're they're arguably their best pass rushers, um, I think they're finding it really difficult to put pressure on the opposing team's offense. And because of that. Uh, they're losing a lot of clock time, and I think that's yeah. one one of the big problems here. But Michael Gallup is a is a good receiver, and if Ceedee Lamb is able to come back and play with Gallup, they can they can weather the storm of Amari Cooper not being available. Um, I I agree with you. I think it's a a game that they should be able to come back and be, have a get right situation with. But because of the injuries and the trajectory that they are currently on, um, it looks like more of a coin flip, and uh, it's going to be a tough game to watch going to be a nail biter for any fans of those um of those particular squads the raiders and the cowboys yeah if you're a believer in the coin then it's not looking good for the cowboys <laughs> i don't know if uh if you guys don't know what i'm talking about there's a raiders fan who flipped a coin and uh, he has used the coin flip to predict the winner of the raiders game correctly every single week so far this year 
you know, everyone can hear you. Just, uh, she's, uh, Even if we can't see you, Jessica, we can hear you. There, there, there's a beer just like slowly being tilted across the table. Uh, it's a, it's a, what is that? It looks interesting. It's an aged day old donut, uh, from Scorched Earth, which was a good, a good beer that they came out with, uh, probably a couple months ago now, but this one has been aged for a while. Last year. Yeah. That's a couple months ago. Like a, you know, a good, uh, 12. A couple, couple months. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna sample that, see what that's like. But let's move on through this stuff because we are moving at a pace uh, that is uh, probably more like a Adrian Peterson than a, a Derrick Henry pace. Uh, I I am not sure about the Cowboys. I think they'll eke it out, but I don't know if I would ever want to put any money on that game. <laughs> I agree. Um, we talked about Jalen Hurts earlier in the podcast. Jalen Hurts impressed again last week with 30.78 fantasy points against the Saints. And just one of his 11 starts, he's had less than 16 points. Now, I think that's what you were talking about when we uh, brought it up briefly, that he had a very low amount. But all the other starts that he's had eight other times uh, this this season, he's reached over 20 fantasy points. And all the other starts, he's done better. So uh, one of the better quarterbacks to have on your fantasy roster this particular year even if he's not necessarily a great NFL quarterback uh, he is a great fantasy quarterback for your team um, it was a second straight game without a touchdown for Russell Wilson second straight game without a touchdown now we know that he doesn't play well in the second half of the season over the past couple of years we've brought this up on numerous podcasts when I say couple I mean few uh, which is three or four that probably describes it a little bit better uh, and we've, You're we've, using the word, the word couple a little liberally couple is, in the last few minutes. Couple is two, right? <laughs> yeah. Let me get back on track. Okay. So so uh, in a few of the past uh, years that he started, the second half of the season, they tend to not uh, utilize his, his passing as much as they do in the beginning of the season. Of course, this year, with Chris Carson out and a... Uh, you know, a circus of, of running backs that are trying to fill in for him, much like in Tennessee. They're not having much success with that, and it's not helping Russell Wilson. What we have to ask ourselves, though, is uh, is Russell Wilson actually okay, or could this be pointing to the end of the Russell Wilson era in Seattle? Last week, he went 14 of 26 for 207 yards and two rushes for two yards. That's 8.48 points. And he put up 7.64 points in Week 10. So he's not startable in any leagues. I don't know anyone that should start him in any leagues unless uh, you are in a league that starts three quarterbacks. So that's not a, a super flex, right? That's, oh, that's brutal, Dave. That's a, absolutely brutal. That's a tri-flex. So if you're starting Russell Wilson right now, uh, you are just in for a, a world of hurt, Jason. I, I know. I, I am in one of those leagues. Are you starting him? <laughs> I am in a two-quarterback league, uh, and he is my second quarterback. Well, you might want to think about starting a receiver or a running back or a tight end over Russell Wilson. In Washington this week? Uh, Washington has been beating teams they have no right beating. They are giving up the most points to opposing quarterbacks. I can't sit Russell Wilson. Well, like, Logic just tells me that I can't do that. How many times did they pick off Tom Brady? Um, Three? Twice. So if Tom Brady can't uh, put up a good game against them, I, I don't know about Russell uh, in his current format. But um, that that's a question for us to talk about later. Uh, I, I just 
I don't feel like Russell's doing well enough to start him uh, with any confidence whatsoever. And if you had someone that you feel could score 12 or 14 points over Russell, I would start them instead. Yeah. Well, I probably don't have that on my bench. I'm not going to examine my fantasy team for all of our entertainment at the moment. Well, then it's always good to start a quarterback because they have a higher potential, uh, easier to reach. Yeah, they do. But good luck. It's a great point. And, And all that does is it trickles down through the entire team with the Seahawks where, you know, you don't want to start Lockett, you don't want to start Metcalf, you know, if you're not going to be starting Russell Wilson. Yeah. Really rough. So I, I hopefully this is sort of a turnaround week for them instead of a uh, just, you know, a sputter out of the season yep. kind of thing. Uh, finally, Brandon Cooks has been the bright spot on the Texans' offense as far as fantasy production over most of the season. But his usage appears to be trending down with Tyrod Taylor back at the helm. Uh, that could be coincidence. Uh, but what we're seeing is uh, last game, he put up only two receptions for 18 yards on two targets in Week 11's win against the Titans. Will Cooks be able to get back on track against the Jets next week? In PPR leagues, Cook has been a great start because he has been getting uh, 8, 9, 10 receptions per game, uh, pumping up those numbers even if the Texans are not doing well. Now we see the Texans winning games, but Cook's not doing so well. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but it makes me hesitant to play Brandon because it feels like things are just a little bit uh, in disarray in that organization. Do you think that the Houston Texans organization has... uh, um, gotten up on the right side of the bed and uh, has everything in order no i don't think they have any clue what they're doing they (laughs) you know forrest gump their way into a win last week and uh i definitely you know look tyrod taylor had 14 completions for 107 yards Mm -hmm. if he keeps playing like that they're gonna go back to davis mills because they're already what they're two and eight on the year they're not gonna uh go anywhere so they might as well see what they have in davis mills a little bit longer and I think if they do go back to Davis Mills, that's going to bump up the value of Brandon Cooks. Uh, I'm not overly concerned with Cooks not getting a lot of catches. You know, they play the Jets this week, so I assume it'll be a relatively back-and-forth game and not a game where Houston is playing from behind the whole time. Um, but then they play Indy, Seattle, Jacksonville, Chargers, San Francisco. So there's plenty of games in there where they're going to be down pretty quickly. They're going to need to throw the ball a lot. So Brandon Cooks' value is still going to be there. You know, the one thing the Jets do is give up a ton of points on the ground. Um, and they Because teams don't have to throw the ball that much. So maybe it's another week without a lot of Brandon Cooks' production. But as soon as they play Indy and, you know, Jonathan Taylor has three touchdowns in the first quarter, you know, they're going to have no choice but to throw the hell out of the ball. So now, now you're expecting Jonathan Taylor to get five touchdowns every game. You're going to be everyone's going to be so disappointed next week when he has like uh, 100, he has 105 yards and no touchdowns. <laughs> well, yeah, he plays uh, Tampa Bay this week. Tampa Bay, of course, uh, I believe by far the best team against the running back. I think Pittsburgh is like number two or three. Let's uh, see points against. Um, oh, Tampa has definitely fallen. They are now the sixth fewest points to opposing running backs. Indianapolis is the best team against the running back now. That's because they they have to play against him. Um, It's it's the kind of thing in fantasy football where, like, if you're the highest scoring team in the league, 
you know, chances are that you're going to have the fewest points against just because all of those high scores are for you and not against you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. One of those things. Uh, they don't ever have to play against the best running back in the league. Therefore, they're not going to give up too many points. Uh, well, I, I want to go through uh, these waiver wire pickups really quickly, and then we'll move Absolutely. move on to uh, some some questions and a cut list. But we have we have uh, limited time to do it in, so let's call it a waiver lightning round. I'm just going to read off some information, uh, and then you give your outlook on that if you would. So these okay. co- these come from Jim Hutchins, who's a Drink5.com contributor. He's been around for several years now working with drink five and uh the percentage owned is based on yahoo leagues uh at the time of publication which was on monday night so uh number five and it's just it's a pick five so five waiver wire picks that you might consider for this particular week number five is the chicago bears defense and special teams 24 percent owned so available in most leagues the Bears get a Thanksgiving matchup against the winless Lions and a backup quarterback, Tim Boyle. Boyle looked pretty bad in his first start, throwing for only 77 yards and throwing two interceptions. So the Bears defense, although there are a lot of injuries on it, uh, like any defense that it happens to be playing against a Detroit team starting Tim Boyle, uh, is <laughs> is definitely a good option. But I, um, I, I think this game is going to be extremely unpredictable. Uh, but I do believe that Jim has a point here where there could easily be a pick six. There will definitely be some uh, some recoveries or interceptions uh, on both sides of the ball on this one. What do you think, it's Jason? It's funny of you to think that there will be points in this game, Dave. <laughs> you think it's going to be th- uh, three to three? Oh, man, that might be optimistic. So the Lions are giving up the um, seventh most points to opposing defenses. Yeah. Uh, another interesting I- – I-, I like where he's going with this. Using the same logic, I would also say try for the Lions defense. The Bears are giving up the sixth most points to opposing defenses. Yep. So this is a game where both defenses could uh, put up a decent amount of points, just like we saw, I believe it was the Miami versus Houston game a few weeks ago. Maybe the defenses can outscore the quarterbacks. Maybe we should put some money on that. Oh, I think they could totally happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, number four, Van Jefferson from the Los Angeles Rams, 46% owned. Uh, Jefferson was number two in targets in the Rams game uh, that we saw previously, despite the addition of Odell Beckham. Now, Beckham was just put in uh, to that lineup, but Van Jefferson knows all of the play calling, etc., and he's not necessarily playing the same role that Beckham will play in the offense, as that is sort of unclear. Um, with Robert Woods now out for the season with an ACL, anybody's game. But I would suspect that Van Jefferson, because he's been a part of that offense for much longer and had more chemistry uh, with Matt Stafford, that he will continue to see looks in the game. Uh, Jim considers him a solid bye week WR3 fill-in for the next few weeks against the Packers, Jaguars, and Cardinals. Um, I think that those matchups are not uh, necessarily easy. But it might be a good thing that, that some of those games might end up being shootouts because Van Jefferson is the kind of guy you want uh, in a shootout. Absolutely. So they have turned to Van Jefferson more lately. He has uh, 27 targets in the last four weeks. In the first six weeks of the year, he only had 26 targets. So definitely uh, upping his usage. That's encouraging. The next three matchups, um, none of them are particularly rough when it comes to giving up points to the opposing wide receivers. In fact, the Jacksonville matchup is pretty juicy, so I definitely like uh, this pickup here. Uh, you know, and, and it's a player that 
I have sort of mentioned a few times on previous shows. So um, I like that he's getting on board with me. Yeah, the problem is generally with Jefferson, just that uh, he does a little but not a lot. And and yes, so that's absolutely. that seems to be the problem. You're like, oh, it looks like it could be great, but then he gives you you know seven and a half points. Like a couple more opportunities per game, and you know if you're gonna have a deep threat guy, if they're getting seven, maybe it gets bumped up to eight or nine targets a game. Then definitely there's enough there's enough there to start him. Yeah, number three, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, Scantron on the Green Bay Packers. Of course, the wide receiver there that is behind Devontae Adams. Uh, and depending on the game, Alan Lazard, 9% owned. Uh, he was someone that people are always looking at uh, because there's always that who's the number two behind Devontae Adams discussion. But it turns out uh, that there is no one behind Devontae Adams. It's just an endless line of wide receivers that may or may not catch the ball. Proving uh, uh, proving that stat is the fact that his biggest game of the season, I'm talking about Valdez-Scantling, uh, was the last week's game where he caught four of ten targets. Ten targets caught four. Now, from Aaron Rodgers, uh, if you're not catching 50% of those things that are thrown to you, at least there is something wrong with you as a receiver. Uh, but he got 123 yards and a touchdown, and Rodgers currently has COVID toe, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> and it, it's a real thing. Look it up. And if he continues to get a high target share... I don't want to look it up. I, I don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, don't. And don't share it uh, uh, <laughs> on the website or anything, I don't think. Too much COVID shit for me. Yeah. If he continues to get this high of a target share where he's getting 8, 9, 10 targets in a game, then of course he's playable because Rodgers is his uh, quarterback. And any receiver that is getting the ball from Aaron Rodgers has uh, you know a 63% chance of scoring a touchdown in each game, right? Obviously. Sure. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I think Jim is looking at this as a, a another guy that's possible to be a boomer bust WR3 chasing the stats from last week. If you have no one else to play, uh, then Scantling is, is a guy that Rodgers certainly does go to sometimes. Um, yeah, I really have nothing more to add on him. I His boomer bust is so boom and busty that I, I don't, you know. <laughs> I don't like rolling the dice on him. I've done that in years past. Number two is Darnell Mooney, Chicago Bears, wide receiver, 56% owned. And a lot of people have grabbed onto him because he's ended up being the guy with the highest amount of chemistry in the wide receiver corp uh, uh, from the Chicago Bears. Uh, Not Allen Robinson, but Mooney is the guy who ends up scoring the points uh, as far as the receivers go. The problem is uh, he is not being particularly efficient with them a lot of the time. Justin Fields is constantly under pressure. The offensive play calling is suspect at best. In week 11, he caught 5 of 16. That's 5 of 16 targets for 121 yards and a touchdown. So much like Scantling, yes, he did get the targets, but he didn't catch the targets. Some of that was not his fault. Some of that was the fault of... uh, uh, of fields and of the play calling in general, but man, uh, that is that is a really tough pill to swallow. However, Allen Robinson is injured right now; doesn't look like he's going to suit up for the Thanksgiving game. And if he does miss that game, Mooney is pretty much the only person on that team that Fields throws the ball to, except for Cole Komet uh, on you know Blood Moons. Um. So do you think that this is going to change with the change in uh, coaching that is 
supposedly coming. Well, if it supposedly comes, it's still not going to happen until after this game, right? <laughs> Very true. So, uh, no. I think no. Looney should be owned somewhere. Yeah. yeah, but the problem is it's just uh, inconsistency and uh, inability to really grasp a hold of, of the cheese that he's b- been offered, you know? Uh, this is the Bears, not the Packers, Dave. Ah, yes. Packers okay. are the last team. So, <laughs> what do Bears eat? The uh, the plant, eat salmon. plants? Salmon. The salmon. They eat salmon. And honey. <laughs> um but yeah, Mooney Mooney's not boomer bust. He he has put up points in almost every game, but he just doesn't put up a lot of points sometimes, and that's that's mostly due to the play calling and the the poor quarterback play. I agree, uh, and his catch percentage has been abysmal. Fifty four point seven percent is not what you want on the guy that you target the most in every game. Well, we know Andy Dalton can throw the ball, uh, and he is you know, pretty much the line at which we judge quarterbacks by. So if you like Darnell Mooney at all, then Andy Dalton should be able to get him the ball enough times to make him fantasy relevant this week. Um, you know, that's an interesting way to put it. You're not wrong in that he's the line we judge quarterbacks, but that line is drawn on the floor. <laughs> we need to specify. Yep. Uh, last pickup, and the number one as rated by... Jim Hutchins is that Ty Johnson, uh, New York Jets, 21% owned. Because Michael Carter is going to miss two to three weeks with an ankle injury, that brings Ty Johnson in to be able to do more work with that team. Now, I don't know how closely you followed the Jets. I actually followed them quite closely in the preseason and first couple games because I was very interested and owned Michael Carter in Dynasty Leagues and actually picked up Ty Johnson in some of them because Johnson was the guy before Carter was really breaking out this year uh, that was getting a a lot of uh, of play and a lot of snaps in those games. So with Carter out, I feel like he's going to take over the majority of uh, of the fantasy relevant snaps on that team. He may not be the short yardage guy. They may go to somebody else for that. I think they still have uh, uh, P Ryan, um, uh, maybe somebody else. No, P Ryan is on the Bengals now. Uh, Lamichael. Oh no, I'm thinking of Samaje. Are there two P Ryan's out there? Apparently, let me pull up the depth chart for these <laughs> New York Football Jets. Uh, but yeah, Ty Johnson should be able to take all the passing downs. Oh, we got Tevin Coleman, and yes, the Michael P Ryan. Yeah, so I think the short yardage work is going to be sucked up by a lot of other people, but Ty Johnson will get enough to be fantasy relevant. So I appreciate that pick, Jim. I think that's a valuable one. A lot of people have been overlooking Michael Carter, who has been doing really well over the past three or four weeks. Yeah, I really liked what I've seen out of Michael Carter. He has been a weekly starter on one of my teams. Carter, starter. Yeah, there's a lot there that I'm not going to touch. That's true. All right, fine. Uh, um, <laughs> let's, let's do some questions. Okay, uh, maybe we can trade off. So uh, Josh Lowe 89 asks, uh, Devonta Smith, Brandy Ayuk, and Jerry Judy. There are two flex spots here in a PPR league. So pick two of Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk, and Jerry Judy. So I suppose we're sitting one. Uh, I'm going to sit Brandon Ayuk. You know, he had like 24 points last week, and his uh, snap percentage has been, uh, or target share has been, has been floating pretty high around 20, 30% of the 49ers passing offense. Uh, so that's because the 49ers don't pass the ball very much. Because <laughs> uh, in two of the last five weeks, he's had one and four targets. So um, Ayuk reminds me of a Scantling, kind of. Maybe a Scantling that catches the ball a little more often. 
Um, but I, out of those players, I really like uh, Jerry Judy, although I suppose they did just re-up two different wide receivers on that team. And um, for sure, I think you're starting Devonta Smith. All right, so you, you go with Smith and Judy. This particular week, I think I'll stick with Ayuk and Smith and sit Judy. I don't, I'm not afraid of uh, of Judy not getting the targets in, in the offense there in Denver. I think he's a, a fixture on the offense. But I think it's just because he's a more recently acquired player from the draft, right, that, that uh, uh, we shouldn't be scared by other receivers being uh, re-upped. Yes. I mean, yeah, the contract shouldn't. But I would just think that it would maybe uh, they, they would turn around and focus on those players a little bit. But I think the, the story here is we both agree on Devonta Smith. And, uh, you know, you could flip a coin between Judy and Ayuk in my book. There you go. What's next? Oh, yeah. What's next, indeed. Um, so we have to drop one of these players, T. Higgins or Jeff Wilson. Help him out. Um, spoiler alert. Jeff Wilson is on the cut list. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson here. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll i drop Jeff Wilson too, but I'll actually drop both of them in a redraft league right now uh, <laughs> and just pick up whoever uh, you know is rising up. Pick up Ty Johnson. Yeah, pick up whoever's rising up or waiver wire picks or uh, people that are uh, trending up. Uh, I like T. Higgins, right? But there's too many mouths to feed on an offense uh, where where Joe Burrow is is finding some hiccups in uh, in his first really successful year. Yeah, I agree. Between Joe Mixon and Jamarcus Chase, or, I'm sorry, Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Burrow, you know, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, there's not Tyler Boyd seemed to uh, really settle into the role of the you know, the possession receiver there. So, yeah, I'm fine with dropping the ball. In redraft, that is. Uh, and we have flip goalie LAX has need two flex and a full point PPR with Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams, A.J. Dillon, and uh, Cordrell Patterson. And uh, that's tough, especially because Cordrell Patterson is coming off of an injury. I like, I like personally uh, A.J. Dillon and Terry McLaurin. Uh, Dillon filled in well for Aaron Jones. Uh, I think we'll see him continue to do well in that offense. Uh, the problem there is uh, they have some offensive line woes with uh, recent injuries and injuries from earlier in the year. But A.J. Dillon will get the vast majority of the work as the running back there and in the passing game in the backfield. Uh, and Terry McLaurin is just really scary. Um, that is an interesting way to put it. Scary Terry, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, all in on A.J. Dillon with you there, especially in a full PPR. If Cordell Patterson had been healthy, um, I'm going with him as number two because it's a question mark. Um, I would make a decision on, on maybe Saturday, you know, based on Patterson practicing all week or not. Um Scary Terry would definitely be my uh, second play if I wasn't uh, in full confidence of Cordell Patterson. Yeah, I I like Mike Williams too. You know, uh, the dangerous thing with him is that he just had a couple of weeks without any targets, but he has been uh, this year a very successful wide receiver, and it looks like Justin Herbert is now 
going back to him more, as we saw against the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's good news, but we're talking about boomer bust guys. Williams is a guy that could score 20 points or three. So You don't have to needlessly talk him up. I've already accepted our trade. <laughs> I have Mike Williams in multiple leagues, you know. I have him in my other in my other dynasty league. I have Williams as well. I I like Mike you Williams. Evaluate that trade, in fact. I like I like Mike Williams. Okay, so uh, we're going to be starting the following. Is this uh, is this part of the question that we just saw? Yeah, yeah. He, this is okay. this guy was already starting other players. So, yeah. so then this this next question is perfect for me. Uh, at e underscore Ames three twenty three asks. Or, or just says, being a fantasy football commissioner is such a thankless job. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. So so it's interesting. We should have a podcast about this or a topic that comes up about it at some point. But um, there should be something that, that people in the league can do to recognize the commissioner and the work that they have to do. Uh, granted, some commissioners probably do less work than others. And a lot of times a well-run... Some commissioners are downright toxic, I imagine. Yeah. And and a, and a well-run league doesn't always need a lot of uh, uh, interruption. But I think the leagues that are the best are the ones that have a lot of interaction. And the interaction that happens and engagement that happens comes from uh, not only the players, but from the commissioner making those things happen. So for those commissioners that are good, they deserve something. Drop them off a, uh, a dozen donuts or, you know, uh, a bottle of donuts or whatever. Uh, they'll they'll appreciate it. So well, I like this uh, this so-called commissioner show that we always talk about doing. It reminds me of uh, Matt Damon not quite making on it making it on every episode of Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> well, I think that would be a good uh, a good program. Um, it could it could be a special episode at some point. Um, okay. What's cool about that is is it something like that and and uh, uh, listeners and viewers let me know if I'm wrong, but something like that. Uh, doesn't need to be time dependent. You could just talk about all the various things that have occurred over the course of being commissioners of leagues and uh, things to avoid and things that you're interested in, and you know it could be could be kind of a fun brainstorming session too. Um, so D Mike Media says not a single Seattle running back took more than 18 offensive snaps last game. Zero fantasy football value if that becomes a trend. And like I mentioned earlier. Uh, the the running back uh, situation in Seattle is kind of similar to what it is in Tennessee where they had a guy that they knew uh, what he could do and that helped out in in you know wonderful ways being a vicious runner uh, I'm talking about Chris Carson uh, he's not as big as Derek Henry but he was a straight ahead uh, knocky on your ass kind of a running back and without that guy, when you have DJ Dallas and uh, Alex Collins and Rashad Penny and this uh, just group of guys that are unable to to put in the uh, the necessary uh, effort to go to the next level, then what do you have? You have Russell Wilson who gets seven points a game, and uh, we're we're really seeing how the running backs are super important to some of these offenses that want to run the ball half of the, the time. I was going the same path as you in that I was going to also compare them to Tennessee. And we've already determined that the Tennessee backfield is useless. And I would say that the Seattle backfield, if they continue this, is absolutely useless. So uh, at J. Boyan-Culty says, who would you play this week? Myers in New England or Cooks? Uh Cooks is going to be so Myers. They're playing Tennessee. 
Brandon Cooks, Houston is playing. Uh, I forget. Spell Brandon right if I'm going to figure it out. So, Mr. Brandon Cooks, Houston will be playing the Jets. So this guy's his season was hit with injuries, but he's climbing up the board. He needs wins to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What is the advice? Um, I think we said that Cooks isn't going to be the greatest option this week. However, Myers, we haven't even talked about him, I don't think, all year. Yeah, Myers. we brought up Jacoby Myers. I I think Jacoby Myers is a is a great receiver, um, but the what we said about him in the past was that he ends up getting a lot of passes for short yardage and is never the guy getting the touchdowns. And so because because of, of the that information, he generally ends up being a... Uh, a flex play or a WR3 in PPR leagues and not someone who's a, uh, a really exciting player to talk about. <laughs> Definitely not an exciting player to talk about. Um, if this is a full PPR league, I go with Myers. If this is not, then it's kind of a coin flip for me. I might go with Cooks just because he's a much better player and has a higher ceiling. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just worried about Cooks not actually doing well now with the current setup of the Texans. But I would agree that Cooks is uh, is is far and away the guy with the higher upside. Uh, so I would probably play him uh, over Myers on a weekly basis, even though last week was a uh, was kind of a joke for him. Uh, so I have a beer we just opened. It's the Day Old Donuts 2021 uh, barrel aged. Yes, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Barrel-aged in rye whiskey barrels, uh, and this particular one was made in collaboration uh, uh, with uh, Country Donuts, so Scorched Earth in Algonquin, Illinois, and Country Donuts, um, and they they did a great job. It is absolutely beautiful, and uh, you know we bought a couple of them, so maybe maybe uh, we'll be able to to enjoy one with you in person, Jason. Oh, I can't wait. Mm. Soon enough, I'll be let out of quarantine. <laughs> Um, so, uh, last one here. Is, this guy's name right. Is uh, Adrian. That's very nice. Uh, who should I drop? He says, uh, or she, or they. Uh, both on IR, only have one IR spot and can't hold on to the other anymore. Do I drop Devontae Parker or Chase Edmonds? And so, is this a? If it's a dynasty league. Then, if it's a redraft league, I don't know why you're holding on to Chase Edmonds. I don't think he's going to play this year. Or, or will he? I'll look that up. Devontae Parker is probably the one I would hold on to. I think they're... Because- I think they're both gonna. Uh, I think they're both gonna come back at some point, but I, I don't remember what the exact injuries are. I want to say that the Chase Edmonds was a high ankle sprain. So yeah, it's an ankle. He went out uh, on November 13th is when they placed him on IR. So he'll miss uh, week 10, 11, and 13. Uh, he can't come back till week 14. Devontae Parker probably is eligible to come back by this point. Yeah, so, so it's tough when you have to make these kinds of decisions. And I guess what we would suggest for the most part would be to, uh, to keep the guy that can help your team sooner, right, uh, rather than later. 
And I, I see that James Conner is developing into this huge focal point of the Arizona offense. Uh, it's likely they continue that. He was already getting all the goal line carries, even with Chase Edmonds in. But now he's getting a lot of the short yardage work uh, and some passing game stuff. So when Chase Edmonds gets back, I assume that it'll be more like uh, the relationship that Edmonds had with Kenyon Drake before where uh, James Conner is still getting the goal line work and some shortage yard, short yardage work and some passing game work, but that Edmonds is getting the majority of the third down uh, work for the Arizona Cardinals. You, you can't just take a guy that's doing this well for your offense, leading you into victories, and then dismiss him. So I agree. I think I agree. Edmonds will lose some, some carries from all of this. And so I say uh, drop Edmonds. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Although... Um, I was wrong. Parker is out through the week 14 by essentially as well. So Oh, they both are. So you're talking about yeah, guys that you can save for the playoffs. Um, well, then I guess you have to analyze your bench and see what position you're weaker at. Yep. And if it's a toss-up just between the two and everything else is the same, I guess I would hold on to Parker. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, uh, well, Jason, I, that's a lot of segments. Uh, why don't we run down the cut list real quickly uh, before we close it out for the show? We'll make it quick for all of you who are eager to uh, go refill your drinks. <laughs> so Justin Fields in Superflex Leagues is the only place you're going to have him. You can cut him. He's not even going to be playing next week. Uh, who knows what the hell is going to happen once they fire Nagy. Uh, assuming they fire Nagy, it may not even happen because the Bears have never fired a coach during the season. That being said, um, he has not been producing at any sort of level that has been acceptable in fantasy football. Mm -hmm. So you can't keep him around. I also think that you should be cutting Derek Carr. Derek Carr has had three bad games in a row. Um, You know, coin flip or not, I don't think that, uh, you know, he is necessarily a guy in a single quarterback league that you need to keep around. He is owned in 85% of flea flicker leagues right now. So... He's got games against Dallas, Washington, Kansas City, Cleveland. Um, you know, I, I, I pumped up that, that Washington uh, fantasy points against quarterbacks earlier, but then I sort of drilled into it a little bit. A lot of those points were earlier in the year, and they played against Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying, too, is that, like, lately they've been really good. It's just Ryan that before he was terrible. Yeah, you've got the all of the, the stats that are kind of bloating that number, right? Yeah, so it's not as good as it was, you know. I mean, that Atlanta team, that was week four. That was with Calvin Ridley. That was before that team really fell apart. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that really uh, you could do better than Derek Carr at this point. Um, at running back, you're going to cut Adrian Peterson. We talked about that earlier. Not playing. I think that you cut Dearness Johnson because Kareem Hunt is coming back. And it's going to be the Chubb Hunt show again. Jeffrey Wilson, you're going to cut. We talked about that earlier as well. I think that you also cut Kenyon Drake in Las Vegas. Look, um, as far as Drake goes, he has not had a good game in the last few weeks now. He had a a good stretch of three games there. 20 points, 15 points, 13 points. But what is that, Dave? It's a downward trend. That's right. (laughs) Even his best games were just a downward trend. And then he had four and three. So that's another team that is just in disarray too. So I mean, Kenyon Drake could have big games, but there's no predictor that could that could tell you that. Well, the coin predicts that they will go ten and seven. So <laughs> that's the only predictor we have. And Kenyon Drake is owned in eighty percent of leagues. So chances are 
He's on a roster of someone who's listening to us, and they need to be dropped. Alexander Madison, 68% owned in leagues. Uh, he has, you know, I, I don't believe in handcuffs that much, and he is nothing but a handcuff. So the the top three handcuffs that I've I've personally had usage of this particular season are Alexander Madison and AJ Dillon and Chuba Hubbard, all three of which uh, have been very useful when when they're um, um, when the the main starters have have dipped off because of injury. Uh, but yes. it is not a smart thing in a redraft league that doesn't have a huge bench to be able to just uh, take up those spots with handcuffs because what that does is it basically just just ties up your leverage and gives you a guy that is going to give you nothing unless he's a starter. And we don't need that at all at this point of the season. Right. Alexander Madison is either getting 25 or more carries, scoring 20 or more points, or he scores less than five points in a week. So it's not like a Tony Pollard that you can throw in there and on a bye week or something like that. Yeah. Uh, going on to wide receiver, Kenny Galladay at 77%. We talked about him earlier. I don't know that we necessarily said cut him, but I believe that um, all the advice and the conclusion we came to earlier that he should be cut, especially once Sterling Shepard returns. There's just too many players to throw at anyway. Galladay's the highest paid guy there, but he is just not performing at a level that you would expect him to. Yes, but we're not the ones paying him, so it's okay to cut him. Yeah, we don't care how much money he's being paid. (laughs) Uh, Jamal Agnew dislocated his hip, which has to be absurdly painful, Um, and he's going to be out for the rest of the year, so um, that was a promising looking wide receiver on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's cuttable. And I think that this is maybe the most controversial or the hottest take uh, of my cuts this week. But I think Emmanuel Sanders is due for the cut list. He's owned in 81% of leagues. Um, and in the last four weeks, he has zero, eight, six, and four points. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's that controversial because of the downward trend. But I think he, he, you're going to see a lot of people react negatively based on the big games he's had so far this season. Now, uh, it doesn't mean he won't score big points later in the season, but as, as I've always said, if, if someone is trending down and you don't really see a reason for that to reverse, um, then what is the point of keeping that person on your team? How, how is he helping you? What is he doing for you? I, he's on one of my leagues, and I already have uh, him um, going out on a waiver. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, Stefan Diggs on that team. He has finally figured out how to play football again. So I, I think that Emmanuel Sanders' days as the WR1 on that team uh, were short-lived, and it was fun while it lasted, but it's not going to happen again. There you go. At tight end, Jared Cook uh, is owned in 70% of leagues right now. Um, I, you know, look, he's on the Chargers. The Chargers scored 41 points last week and he had three catches for 28 yards so and that was like his second best week out of the last four so there's just not enough going on there he's owned in 70 percent of leagues that's enough for me to have brought him up and to say cut him i believe he was on the cut list last week too Mm -hmm. and evan ingram owned in 58 percent of leagues uh just uh, the the giants offense is gross I don't want any part of it. Give me Canarius Tony or give me death. 
So yeah, Evan Ingram, 2.2 points last week. They chose to throw it to an offensive lineman instead of a tight end. You know, do you need to know more than that? Nope, I think that's all we need to know. Um, well, right, you want to you want to land the plane, Dave? Well, uh, well, cheers to everybody out there again, and uh, to cheers, s- to Scorched Earth Brewery for providing us with some uh, some really old donuts that we love. Uh, for uh, for Jason, day old. It's not really old. It's just day old. Well, they're aged though. You're you're having <laughs> so they're really old donuts. <laughs> <laughs> you're having a hard time differentiating between a couple and a, a lot and. and a day old and more than a day old. I don't. I don't know how long time you know takes to tick anymore. I have no idea. Okay. I thought, and I thought I was the one with the uh, brain damaging disease. Oh goodness, brain damaging. Uh, be careful with that over there. That's what I read today. I hate. Well, maybe you should stop reading things. I just want to have a you know <laughs> a test with good news so I can join you again in person. You'll be fine, and we'll see you next week, right? Uh, That's the plan. For uh, the Week 13 preview where we all talk about our horrible losses or our amazing wins uh, just approaching the fantasy playoffs. And how great the Thanksgiving games have gone. Yeah, how how horrible Thanksgiving football was. How the Bears-Lions game (laughs) made me lose my appetite and I didn't eat Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, my gosh. It's, It's likely. It's likely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so to everybody listening and and watching on YouTube um, or the subscribers of the podcast, um, the people that that go to drink5.com and consume our content, we really appreciate you, uh, and we hope you turn. Thankful to you, if you will. We are thankful at the Turkey Day Show, and we hope you'll tune in next week. uh, And for all of our remaining podcasts this season, we have uh, uh, four more. Uh, to go after this one and uh, we are all looking forward to winning some championships um, and uh, Not me. drink five everybody <laughs> <laughs> cheers